welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Gallius Anderson, stop it down behind his head. Sekou Smith. The tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Sekou <laughs> Smith from the Hang Time Podcast. Joining you once again this week, my super special co-host, Lang Whitaker, executive editor of Slam Magazine, via Skype from New York. Langston, what's happening? Super special. Super special because we got this other cat in here today. Yeah, 3D. If he's super. 3D is in here today. What am I, 3D super? Dennis Scott is in here today. <laughs> super duper. Super duper yes. in the building. Super clowning in yes, here. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a rare form today. <laughs> it's cold outside. I normally don't need a coat down in the south, but I had to go dust off the mothballs today. Man. Ooh-wee. I think you're excited about Christmas, 3D. Uh, no. No, not not quite, since you brought that up, uh, Mr. Langston, Mr. Super. Uh I don't feel like putting putting this train set together. I have a five year old, and all the dads out there that have five year olds, it's not. A, he don't want a basketball. He don't want a football. He wants a train set. Has things changed, or am I not getting him involved in sports enough yet? Uh, <laughs> how old is he again? Three days. Five. Five. Man, listen. Give him some time. <laughs> He's five I mean, years old. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, you just put a couple parts together. You had a normal train set. And this train set got about nine diagrams or ninety nine <laughs> parts. I was Lang Whitaker was teasing before we came on. It's been a long time since I've been at Tech looking at diagrams, man. <laughs> Listen, we know good and well y'all wasn't looking at many diagrams in class at Tech. It was strictly ball. I talked to Kenny this weekend. Now he didn't go to class. <laughs> now Kenny, you better go to class, boy. <laughs> Listen, we got a, a, a great show lined up as always. 3D in the building, Lang, and uh, our first guest. We're not gonna waste any time. Getting him on here. The best in the business from Yahoo Sports, Adrian Wojnarowski. Adrian, how you doing, man? Guys, I'm doing well. What's, what's happening? Oh, man, we are we are commiserating about Christmas um, and all the other good news that's going on in the NBA right now. Tons of, of interesting stuff. Uh, and before we even dive into all that, I got to give you a shout-out. That The story you did with Kobe uh, and the connection of, of his with Michael Jackson, one of my favorite stories of the year, and I wanted to ask you, man how how did that conversation cook up? Like, how did you, how did you dig that out of him? <laughs> I'd love to take credit for digging it out of him or knowing about it, um, but but I didn't. I mean, we you know we were talking, and I, and I think I asked him. I think the question I asked him was, uh, when you look elsewhere in sports, and I meant beyond basketball, I said, who's the guy you see? yourself the most in and I think I threw a couple names names at him I said you know is it Peyton Manning is it Tiger you know I knew it wasn't necessarily in basketball and that's where I think you saw the beginning of the quote you know and I quoted right from the beginning there where he said I I know this is going to sound weird but (laughs) and then you know and then we went from there and so you know I was surprised obviously and and I'm thinking as he's talking I'm thinking to myself man I'm, I'm not like the fact that I didn't know this I should have known this, you know, and but but we went out for a while and talked, you know. I followed up and you know, kind of probed Toby a little bit about, you know, kind of the details of the impact Michael Jackson had and kind of how he used what he learned and the time they spent together and all that that was in the story. And then I finally said to him, I said, have "You have you talked about this before?" Like as if like felt like I'd missed it. And he said, "No, I don't think so." And um, and so yeah, and then you know. We, we talked for a while about it, and then, I, so of course, as soon as the interview was over, and I went back to my hotel, I remember I went right and, and searched it and couldn't find it in any print stores. And I said, geez, I, I guess it was the first time he'd really talked in detail about it. So mm-hmm. it was it was obviously on his mind and something I think he wanted to, to share. And um, and I just you know, it just speaks to his sort of, you know, quest to learn something everywhere and find, you know, that might be unconventional to some people, but when he explained it in the context of of just the preparation and the attention to detail and, you know, the, the drive to be the best at what you do, it's perfectly understandable. And, and, and to me, I you know, I think most people, you know, really got it. Yeah. 
So, in 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 the context of Kobe, and I and I know the conversations now have been about so many different players. Um, can we? Can, is it safe to say that the next month to two months of this season belong to Carmelo Anthony in terms of being the number one news item? Every, you know, every time his name comes up, people are going to have their ears perked up about maybe what he does next or what happens with him? I, I think so, you know, because, you know, obviously he is the, you know, you know it's funny, he, he signed on for that one extra year beyond what all his, you know, draft classmates did. And so he sort of, you know, has this time to, you know, to himself in terms of getting the attention that LeBron and Wade and Bosch and those guys all had last year or last summer. So, yeah, there's no question. And, I, listen, I still think he's – I don't think New York is still – you know, I, listen, New York, I think it's his preferred destination. Mm-hmm. But there are other teams in this, and um, that doesn't mean that they're the favorites. But um, I don't think it's been narrowed down the way it's been described. I think Chicago is still in this if they decide they want to do this. New Jersey – you know, New Jersey will always be a compromise for Carmelo. It's, right. you know, it's wow, they're going to, it's not New York, but they're going to New York. And, and obviously, if he wants his money right now, um, and wants his extension now, they would do that deal. Denver would do the deal at any time, given what New Jersey's offering. Yeah. The Knicks just don't have an offer that's real appealing to Denver. And, hey, listen, Denver's could still challenge, you know, Melo to say, okay. You know, go ahead. We'll, we'll let you. We'll let the trade deadline go past, and we'll see if you're really willing to take that much less money after a possible lockout, after a new collective bargaining agreement, and um, and he may say, ah, "All right, I'll resign now." Who, you know, the, the Nuggets could still call Melvin's bluff on this. Yeah, right, Adrian. It's Lang. I, I know you're here in the New York area, and uh, I was at that Knicks game yesterday, and. The crowd was so in, you know, it's it's totally different here in New York now being just following the Knicks because they're winning. And do you, I mean, do you think Carmelo is, is, I mean, maybe, is that what the Knicks need to do is get him? Or maybe they stay with what they have? I mean, you know, is it it's, foregone it's, that they got to go get him? You know, it's a great point, Lang. It's a great point. And this idea that you would just gut your team, like, you know, Fields is a terrific young find, and now you've got this guy in the cheap. They haven't had, when's the last player the Knicks drafted in a second round who became a rotation player? It's, listen, it's been forever since yeah. they developed their own guys where, you know, the really good teams find those guys, they fill out your roster, and they don't cost anything for several years. Right. And Landry Fields is the kind of guy the Knicks haven't, the last diamond in the rough the Knicks found, I mean, you got to go back. And Starks, maybe? Yeah, and Starks was a free agent. He was a guy bouncing around the D League. You're right, and and but even that they right, even that they drafted it. Just yeah, um, it's been mostly misses, and so no question. So you know you're gonna you, you're right, you, you're right, and so if you think Melo really wants to play here, um, you necessarily gut your team right now to do this. And I know people say, well, it's, if you want, if if they have a chance to get them, have to give up anything they can and have to do it. And I understand Melo's a great player. He's an all-star. Um, but, listen, there's a case to be made to say there's other great players out there who are coming up um, that are going to be free agents and aren't happy where they are. And Melo's not the only one. I mean, and, you know, Chris Paul, Darren Williams, Dwight Howard in two years. So, you know, I'm not saying people want to keep hearing two years down the line. Here's a great player who's getting out. But, but just putting Melo in – Amari together and gutting the rest of your team, that, that doesn't make you. A, it doesn't make them a contender. Um, so I, I, I think you're right, Lane. I think it's still something they've got to look at. They're playing awfully well right now, and and they've set themselves up here to have some options going forward. Hey, Adrian, uh, 3D here. Um, when you look at quarterway through the season here, what story kind of stands out to you as one being a surprise, and maybe two, the one that kind of oh, wow, I, I had no idea this could happen. Is it the Spurs being on top? Is it Dallas finally showing they can play defense? Is it Amari showing he can be an MVP and a big-time leader? Is it Derrick Rose showing that he could be a big-time scorer? Or is it even Russell Westbrook now, who most people say, yeah, we knew he was good, but now you kind of have to have his name in the consideration as one of the top point guards today. So all these top stories, which one really sticks out to you that kind of caught you by surprise? 
I mean, I'm not shocked Dallas and the Spurs are playing real well. I mean, maybe the Spurs a little bit. Dallas, you know, these are teams capable of running off the kind of starts that they've had. It's not shocking. To me, it is Amare. I mean, we knew Rose was coming to Westbrook. These guys were, were on the cusp of becoming, you know, elite dominant players in the league. But Amare is the one that I, I gotta give him a, you have to give him a lot of credit because he was the consolation prize last summer. He was the guy... You know, it was like the Knicks needed him and he needed the Knicks, and neither one really wanted the other. Um, <laughs> you know, Amari, they were the only team Amari was going to get to guarantee him $100 million, and the Knicks needed someone to bring into a press conference and say, hey, look what we got. And they had it. They had to bring someone in, and, you know, D'Antoni wasn't dying to coach him again, and, and Amari wasn't dying to play for D'Antoni again. But yet they needed each other, and they've made this work, and. I did question how Amari would handle New York in terms of he's got great charisma and he's a good guy. And, and I knew he would, you know, sort of embrace it all coming in. But I wondered when things got tough and, the, you know, he was on the back page and he was taking heat and they were struggling, what would happen then? And what he did was he picked that team up. I mean, they were careening off the cliff to start the season. And, and along, along with Felton, Amari showed, and this is what, you know, they said he never had in, in Phoenix. And you know what? He didn't for a while. But you talk about a guy who's grown and matured, and you've seen his development, not just as a player, but as a, as a person and, and a true franchise player. He's shown all that in New York. And I don't know if the Knicks thought they were getting that. And, you know, he saved the he saved the Antonio there. And, um I'm just so impressed with everything he's done. And I tell you what, if you went, you know, the knees will be the question. People will say, well, you know, how long will he hold up? And will he, you know, will we see this through five years of the deal? And we, we can't know that now. But I'll tell you what, you know, if you if you took the Knicks back to the summer, knowing what they know now, and you said, would you rather have Bosch or Amare? You know, I think everybody would take Amare now. And, and maybe they should have. Amare hit one. You know, Bosch hit, was a guy who had never carried a team, who didn't do this in the Eastern Conference. We had capital talent around them. And yet, um, you know, Amari has shown that, you know, and for all the people, too, who said, well, Nash made him and wait till he doesn't have Nash with him anymore. Right. Well, you know what? Maybe he did a lot for Steve Nash, too. That's, that's a great point, uh, Welsh. And, and we, we're talking uh, about all these different teams. When I woke up this morning, I read a stat Four teams, four elite teams right now have winning streaks of eight games or more for the first time. I think it's in league history. Mm. Um, we'll have to double-check that to make sure. But, I mean, in a, in a time when you assume that teams are coming back to the pack, the, this huge free agent summer, and then we, we get a month-plus into the season, and the Celtics, the Spurs, you know, the Mavs, the, these teams are just pulling away like this. Did that surprise you at all to see these teams, like these teams specifically? I certainly didn't expect to see the Spurs, you know, do this. I mean. Yeah, that's an interesting stat. I mean, you know, I think you knew with Miami um, they would be able to run off wins. Even they're going to have a lot of long winning streaks. They're just built to do that in the regular season. And and especially, um, you know, when they could beat up on some teams. Obviously the win in Utah was probably their best of the season um, on the road there. you know, Boston, uh, Boston's been interesting because you knew this was, I thought this was going to be a regular season for the Celtics where it might be a little choppy because of injuries. A, because you knew, you know, with the two O'Neills and even KG and that, you know, you thought you knew there'd be a lot of missed games. And Doc was going to have to be careful with the minutes of those guys. And, see, you know, and Doc is the best at that. Seeing the big picture, sacrificing some things in a regular season like he did last year um, in that last month, to have that team rested and ready to go for the playoffs. And yet their bench is so much improved. And even without Atlanta West, who I thought was really going to help them, you know, they're getting great production out of their bench, bench and big baby. And so they're on a long streak. Um, and, you know, and, you know, they're not having to, um, you know, over, and, and yet do it without having to overplay, you know, their veterans in, in minutes. And, and obviously San Antonio and, you know, San Antonio, too, with Duncan. Duncan's not, you know, he's not playing, you know, and I know it's frustrating for him, and he wants to play more than he is, but Popovich knows there's just, he he, he can't wear those knees out, and Tim is, 
you know, Tim may have one great run left in him, and it's going to be this spring for, for the Spurs. Yeah. yeah. Adrian, what do you think is, uh, or what have you heard, or whatever is, is going to happen with New Orleans and the Hornets? You know, it's funny. I, I think the best thing in the world, if you're a Hornets fan or, or you're in the front office and, you know, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, the best thing in the world is what happened in the short term is the league taking them over because actually now they can do some things financially. The league wants to make this attractive when they resell it. Um, so they can do some things by maybe going into luxury tax, taking out a little money. If there's a player, they have a $9.7 million exception there that Dell Dempsey kind of crafted with a couple of those deals. And so, you know, with George Chin, they were not going to spend any money. And now with the league overseeing them, they can they actually have more flexibility. Um, and, you know, so while they're trying to find a buyer, um, you know, this team still has a chance to, you know, to get better this year. They, they struggled, obviously, the last week, 10 days. But, um, you know, uh you know, probably come back to earth a little bit. I don't think any of us thought they were going to keep up what they started. They just weren't built for that. Um, but this is still a playoff team. This is still a good team. No, you're right. I think most people said now the Hornets are back to life, back to reality. After a quarter way through the season, Adrian, Kobe, D-Will, CP3, Derrick Rose, they've all had some flashes of MVP. But then you narrow it down to Amare or Dirk. Which one of those two right now, who would you give the MVP to after a quarter way through the season? Yeah, I mean, it is early, and I, usually the guys who are the MVPs now are not at the end. I mean, for Amare to be the league MVP in New York, I mean, he would have to stay at this poor pace. Same with Dirk. Dirk's got a lot of help, more help than he's had in Dallas. Um, I think if we're just going to say of value, I mean, it's, I think it's Amare right now. I mean, but. I don't think it's going to be Amari at the end of the year, um, but certainly right. to put Kobe in there, um, you know. But it's just there's so many guys, and I think you've seen in the last couple of years you can make cases now for more guys than ever. I don't think LeBron. LeBron was a runaway MVP, obviously the last two years. He really, it was harder to make a case for somebody else. But that won't be the. I don't think it's going to be the. Even if he keeps playing well, um, I think what he did in the playoffs with that team last year and the way he just stopped playing enough Austin series is going to linger with people and still linger in my mind. And, uh, you know, to me, I- I'm always a believer when I vote for an MVP, I remember the year Chris Paul had made that run two, three years ago yeah. and they hadn't even been to the playoffs yet. In the back of my mind, they said, can I vote for a guy for MVP who hasn't been to the playoffs yet? And I haven't seen him do it on that stage. And I know it's a regular season award and I know, but, Part of being an MVP to me is, you know, you've done. I've, I already know you can do it on the biggest stage. You've shown that, and uh, um, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, even the Oklahoma City guys, they haven't won a series yet yeah, in the playoffs. Right. And so, can you be an MVP before you've done that in this league? In my mind, no, you can't. Mm. <laughs> 3D is zipping his lips today. He must have. Let I'm it out, Cam Let it out. Yeah, yes, right. for Cam <laughs> well, I want, I'm curious what you think about these young point guards. We, a few weeks ago, we were on the show here debating it. You know, Rondo had such a crazy start to the season, you know, and now you see Derrick Rose playing the way he has, Russell Westbrook. How long does this conversation last where we hold Darren Williams and Chris Paul on that first tier, you know, the – you know, if you're talking about the very best point guards in the league right now, and then those other guys are maybe a, a slight notch below, or has Rondo already moved into that first tier, and are these other guys right there with him? Yeah, you know, and I don't think it's a thing where those guys, it's a great point. Uh, I mean, I don't think those guys have dropped off um, Williams and, and Chris Paul. I think those other guys climbed up there with them, yeah. you know, and and I, I don't think they can hold them off. I mean, Darren Williams is their ability has maybe given him an edge over Chris because Chris Smith so much of last season, but then he comes out of the gate this year and obviously, you know, takes that team and, you know, and gets them back up at the in the top of the West again. But I think with, you're right, Rondo, Westbrook, and, and Derek Rose, they've willed themselves into that first tier. And now I think, you know, uh, to me, Darren Williams is, I think Darren Williams is a slight edge. is still the guy because I think he's such a leader and yeah. he's such a winner. And I think there's a, there's a commanding presence about him that that's um, 
I won't say unique because there's other guys who do it, but that's that stands above the rest. And um, but Rondo has become that guy. Derrick Rose is absolutely becoming that guy. You're seeing Rose grow into leadership role and and yeah. be more of a um, you know his personality. You're starting to see him come into his personality a little bit. And so it's it's a go- it is the golden era of point guards in this league. I mean, you want to look back. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that there's ever been a better group of under 30 year old point guards ever um, in the NBA. I just yeah. can't imagine a time there were more talented guys. Franchise. I mean, these are franchise type guys. I mean, could you imagine if Rondo had not re-signed with Boston? <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the market. I mean, yeah. you would have yeah. treated him like a, a franchise player is available for agency because that's that's what he showed himself to be. Yeah. Adrian, I know you're a. A Jersey guy. What, what's your take on the Prokhorov era thus far? You know, it's um, not exactly. Hasn't exactly taken the league by storm like he like he promised. I mean, but the one thing he has done there is given those guys a chance when they need to do something, they can do it. Um, right. You know, I don't think they're going to be the factor that they want to be in free agency and and players wanting to play there just because he's there. It's shown. No one was dying to come play for them. They have to get to New York first. And, you know, as much as, like you said, I live in Jersey and like taking my son over to Mets games, he's, you know, he's, uh, he and his buddies are all Mets fans, you know. <laughs> but I understand that um, <laughs> they've got to be in New York for guys to want to play for them. And to, to, for the elite guys, they've got to get to Brooklyn. And the promise of Brooklyn isn't enough. And, you know, who really knows when they're going to get in that building? And I think if they were there now, maybe Mello would have already agreed to this trade. But it's still two years away, and with the construction, if it becomes three years away, you know, um, and it's too bad because Newark is a great arena. It's a much better place to go to a game. It, it feels like an NBA arena again in Newark as opposed to the Meadowlands, which you know, which hadn't for a while. Right. But um, it's still across the river, and, and you know, let's face it, that still holds. Hold the stigma to people. <laughs> Wells, well, listen, we know you got to run, um, but we couldn't let you out of here without checking. Mark Spears, your colleague at Yahoo, had a, a great, interesting oh. piece today about Donald Sterling. Story of the year on Yahoo. I just the best. If there was ever a Yahoo story, like in the way we try to do things, I just said to Johnny, I said, that is, that is a Yahoo story. I, I love it. I mean, um, it's a great story. Yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, cu- just, I'm curious what you and Spears would do if Johnny Ludden is heckling you guys on press row at the finals this year. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stand behind you and see what happens. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he does it. Uh, that's why we're airport uh, courtside with him. But, yeah, no, it was, uh, it's a great story. I mean, that's the, like, you know, like, you want to just know the history of the L.A. Clippers. It's it's all there in, like, 800 words. I mean, <laughs> there's your Clippers. There, there, there's your history. There, you know, why are they like this? There you go. <laughs> no doubt about it. Hey, Woj, thanks so much, man, for coming on. We we enjoyed it and appreciate it. Thanks, oh, anytime, Adrian. guys. Hey, ha- happy holidays. Hey, happy holidays to you. Guys, there are certain guys around the league that, you know, that report on different things. I mean, there's different tacks you can take. Lang, I don't know if you agree with me, and I don't know about you, 3D. I, I think Yahoo's got one of the better one-two punches in Woj and Spears in terms mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. – Mm-hmm. The amount of information they gather and report on, and then the way they deliver it. I mean, you get the kind of story Woj did on Kobe, but then you also – he's had some hard-hitting, I'm talking about knock-you-out investigative-type pieces, you know, on a lot of other things. And then Spears always comes with some crazy stuff. He's been on the show here quite a few times, obviously. But this thing about with Donald Sterling – I was going to say, man, I, I, I don't know if you've have... seen this. I don't think I'd heckle not, Spears. It's not, it's, not yeah. the Bar- it's not the Baron Davis thing. Yeah, this is where he's heckling oh, Baron I've heard Davis it, during games. It. Like, seriously, you, I mean, you played a long time in the NBA. Have you ever heard of anything as ridiculous as an owner heckling Never. one of his own players? Never. Never heard of it. I thought it was somebody joking. I, I need to see it to believe it. But <laughs> if y'all talking about it, I guess it really did. Yeah, happen. I mean, it, this has been reported, obviously, on Yahoo Sports. Lang, in the story it says that, that Sterling did this last season. There were times when he did heckled other players last season. I never, I never heard of it. Um, I haven't either. And I'm, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm in, I was stunned when I read it this morning. Like, how do you, how do you heckle a player you pay, you paid him? I'm sure there's other owners who felt compelled to do the same thing. Yeah. 
you know, but I, I'm surprised that we're hearing about it. I just think it's fantastic. I mean, a fantastic. Micah heckles us while we're doing the podcast. Yeah, but he's behind Micah's the not doing that. He's hiding back there with Lane. Micah, I mean, Micah shows up late. Does this cough button work? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to mouth. I'm trying to get Micah. Does this cough button work? <sighs> um, what's so interesting though? The reason I the reason I caught myself was because the only thing Woe said I did, did I had to it hit a nerve was why should a guy be judged on if he's an MVP if he's not been into the playoffs yet. Yeah, I saw you frowning up. I wanted you to ask him that. I just – it wasn't – that was just – it was time for another show, and I I wanted to stay with the program. Right. You don't have to be good around here, 3D. No, but I understand we got a program. So, you don't – 3D, you don't think you should be – you don't think that should be a part of the decision? No, not at all. Why should it? You're getting judged on what you've done, not not until you get into the playoffs. That's why it's called MVP of the regular season. That's why they right. have. That's why they have an MVP of the playoffs. I mean, the finals. I mean, I'm like, why? I just never understand why analysts, hosts, writers, whoever yeah. thinks that. Why should a guy be judged on something that he hadn't even got to yet? You know, that award is so vague, and that you know, like, I, I mean, when Shaq. Ten years ago, I, I was think I thought Shaq should have been the MVP every single year because just like Mike could have been, right? But Shaq, even though I mean Shaq, even when Kobe was rolling and stuff, like you know, who who was more valuable to their team than a seven foot whatever three hundred pound guy who was dunking on everyone? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it's kind of like a vague thing. Who's valuable? What is value? Uh, you know, I think the whole thing is so vague. Um, I think it's I think it's gotten to a point where it's a popularity contest too. And gets to a point where, the, the I think the years that Steve Nash wanted, someone thought someone else should have wanted, and then Dirk won his. Like, okay, who hadn't won their MVP yet when they're yeah. when they're playing well? That that kind of kind of glaring to me at times as well. I think you know it's funny. Like coming into this year, it seemed like people were kind of saying this was going to be the year for Kevin Durant to win the MVP, um, and now he's not really leading the discussion. Uh, I know we're only a quarter of the way into the season, but he seemed like the kind of guy everyone was like, this was going to be his coronation season. Yeah. And it hasn't really been that way so far. I, you, I, we didn't get around to asking Woj about that either. Um, you know, we there's a zillion questions we could ask him. I wish we'd have more time with him. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not stunned that, that Durant is, is not having an MVP season, type season. I think there are two things that work, guys. He is leading the league in scoring. We well, and, 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 he, and he's having a really good season. Like, is the first. But, but the, he took a little bump in the road. But but he, listen, with the kind of work he put in through the playoffs last season, the summer with the World Championships. Yeah. He's still leading the league in scoring. Come on. But then Russell Westbrook yeah. is having a monster season. Yeah. I think it speaks a lot to Durant's personality and his star power that he's not. At all interrupted Tripping. by nope. Russell Westbrook playing as well. He's like, he realizes that it's a Batman Robin type situation and not yep. him leading the charge and everybody else just getting in line. I had a conversation with him, and he was like, this can work because our games complement yeah. one another. Yeah. Right. He can take over, I take over. The team knows that they got to go through me. I go down, and then Westbrook yes. takes over, goes into Boston and in Milwaukee, and gets two back to back wins yes. on the road. Come on. Yeah. They're adjusting to people now coming after them. Last year they snuck under the radar. Unless you were a part of that team, no one had them winning 50 games last year. No. Right. And only people that – and I'm a little biased because I grew up around him. I knew he could score. No one thought he could score 30 points all year long like he did last year. Right. I don't know. Lang, Lang will uh, – he will gladly – Revisit the conversations he and I had leading up to the draft. You had where he was no, he was telling me Durant no, was like it. otherworldly and he was like going revolutionize his I position. Said, I and I, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of like, take yeah. Durant over Odin. Yeah, I mean, but we you where remember go, some Lang? of the debates no, we had. Way, way, Lang, way to go, Lang. No, but I wasn't as high on Durant as he was. Not because I didn't think he'd be a good player, but I was just so adamant that Odin would be. A, you know, I thought he was going to be a stud in right. the NBA. I thought he'd right. be seven foot behemoth, now, and it now, didn't happen. But now here's a good thing: when when Odin was in high school, you were still in Indiana at the time. Wasn't you? I saw him when he was so a freshman. You saw so him I, a lot, yeah. So so, yeah. and Durant played for my own high school coach, Stu Veteran, and Lang being up in New York, so he saw him play all in the D.C. New York area. So we had a chance to see the talent. What bothered me so much about Durant is the combine where so many people 
like a lot of followers, oh, he's not going to make it. He can't bench press 135 right. one time. That's when I said people aren't paying attention to the court compared to that weight room. I know a lot of jokers go in there and bench press 500 pounds, can't make a layup either. <laughs> <laughs> so <You> that's, <laughs> that's the part that drove me crazy about Durant yeah. back then. Oh, man, people, yeah. let's worry about basketball. He will grow up. Remember Kevin Garnett when he first came in? Yeah. He was a buck 75 soaking wet with a pair of sneakers on. And he you still <laughs> and he still look at him now. <laughs> the guy, what sold me on Durant 3D was I mean, I you know I saw both those guys play and him and Odin they were both great. But talking to both of them before the 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 draft and it's not that Odin said anything wrong, but Durant just struck me as being so convicted that he was going to be successful and he was going to do whatever it takes to get there. You know, he had kind of that eye of the tiger thing, and uh, and so I told Seku from you know from that moment I was like, look, I I just think Durant. He's going to, he's going to be the guy. I asked him, I was like, you know, why, why, if I'm a team, why would I take you? And he's like, is if anyone gets in my way, I'm going to go through them to, to get there. You know, I, you, you know what? Texas too. Oh, here we go. <laughs> that, that yeah, Longhorn that, long yeah. Johnny in here getting ready to go on it. Listen, I, I just think the, the one factor in 3d, you can attest to this, that we never know Lang about the draft and about players and what they'll become is you can never measure how much a guy wants to be great, like great all things equal, you know, if you stay healthy, how yeah. much does a guy want to be great? Think about mm-hmm. the talented players that have come into the league whose careers have not gone the way they wanted for various reasons. But the one thing that I think defines all these great players we talk about in the league, not a one of them is a reluctant great player. Like not a one of them accidentally, well, I'm just so talented, I got to be yeah. great. You right. know what I mean? It, right. there's, there's some drive that goes into – the game and how they evolve that the one common thread for all these guys is they want to be great. They want to be great. And And Durant is Durant has embraced that from the start. And I think Odin was always sort of a reluctant star. Like he was this guy who didn't seem happy go lucky. Well, he just didn't seem like that's, that's what I need to be great or or else. And I think, and, and, and my version of that is just, hi, you know, I'm here. I'm seven foot. You know, they they told me to come play basketball. I wasn't I wasn't laying around the house with a basketball in my hand watching Kareem or or since he's so young watching a young Shaq, you know, yeah. watching, you know, Olajuwon or Patrick Ewing do their thing and you know craving, you know, to want to dunk on people. And and, and that's when you look at Alonzo, you look yeah. at Shaq, when they came to the league, they craved to want to dunk on people. They craved to want to block shots. Or young Dikembe, yeah. who had no offensive all at, at all in the beginning of his career. And at Is there the ever end, a young Dikembe? Well, <laughs> maybe uh, another life, right? A, a younger Dikembe. <laughs> Wait, Dennis, is that something like I remember? Let's, let's talk about you. I remember when you were like at Tech, there was a season where you kind of came in in the best shape of your career. Yep, great point. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you can like that that hunger? Is that something you learn, or is that something you can develop, or is it just something you have or you don't have? Well, I think it's a combination of one. It has to be there for someone to tap tap into it, right? And, and that's like a coach being able to know which guy to, to you know to get on with love, and which guy you can kind of curse out to get him going. And for me, to the point Lane's bringing up is my sophomore year, I was weighing anywhere between two fifty five, two sixty five, and then Coach Kremen said, "Look." If you want to become, you know, All-American, if you want to be a top, you know, pick in the NBA, you got to keep getting in shape. Right. Came back 225, got player of the year in the ACC, first team All-American, number four draft pick. So, you know, the it's one of those things, though, like you brought up earlier, uh, Sekou, you got to want it, though. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, they can show you the path, they can give you the workouts, but you're, you're the one that has to lace them up every day and go in that gym and put in the work. I don't. I'm, I don't even think there's a debate. Like if you go down the list, and and Lang, I know we've talked about these lists of greatest players ever, top players, this that, and the other. Just run. Just scroll down the list, and you know it, when you start at the very top, every one of them had that two things. I gotta all, be great. Two things they have. You know the drive. You know what I call the unconditional drive. That day where you say, "Man, I don't feel like working out. My knees sore." The average guy goes to sleep. Yeah. That guy still gets up and gets through his workout and then he can get back to go to sleep. And he has the skill set to bring it all to light. And yeah. I think that's one thing, too, that's not talked about. Look at all the other great ones. They are very skilled along with that drive to want to be great. Yeah. So you can, there's a lot of guys that work hard every day, 
but they just don't they have don't the have, skills yeah, to get over the hump. There, yeah. So this is a solid NBA player. Right. But when you put their skills along with that drive to be great and to put in the work, and then you see the consistency. And yeah. I think that's something, too, that I talked about. We, we were looking at Michael Jordan's numbers. The years that he was leading the league in scoring, he was in 37, 36, 35, 34. <laughs> I mean, and it's six and seven years, not one year, not two years, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine years yeah. of greatness. And that's what separates Will Chamberlain. Look at his numbers. I'm averaging 25 rebounds a game. Yeah, You know, stuff that's not even done even before, Bill Russell's numbers. You know, we go down the list, and I think that's why it's fun today to see these young guys strive to be the next great one. Well, it's to, it feeds to the point I was talking about, the point guards, and I think Walsh made it even better talking about this may be the best crop of under 25 point guards the league has seen. It's my vote. I've said it for a while now. I thought this was the best group. But could you imagine if we had all these talented point guards in the league and three or four of them just decided, well, you know, D. Will is the man. I'll kind of get in line behind him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They all want to fight it out for yep. that top spot. And and I could be wrong here, but there was a similar era about 10 years ago when Kobe, T-Mac, Vince, and that group was in the league. Those, mm-hmm. you know, those shooting guard slash threes were in the league coming yeah. up all at the same time. And a couple of buddies and I had an argument about it. We'd say, well, who's going to be the best player between those three, between Kobe, Vince, and T-Mac? And this is 2000 maybe we had this argument. And and we all picked somebody different. And the reason that I picked Kobe, and I wasn't a big Kobe guy then, but the reason I picked him, I was like, Kobe to me of the three seems like the one most hell-bent on being a great, like leaving the game and saying I was one of the greats. Right. And I thought the other two guys, for as talented as they are, and you could argue they have more physical talent than Kobe, both of them. When they were younger, oh, hands you could down. say that T-Mac. Oh, hands and, down. But to oh, me, they yeah, didn't have that down. eye of the tiger and that, that that grimy chip on your shoulder type attitude about the game that Kobe had, but hardly anybody has that. Not just Kobe. <laughs> I'm saying if you if you just put it in in context of small groups of time. great players. Well, no, you it, know, it, no, I, it, it makes sense to what we're saying because Vince Carter, well, it's neck and neck between Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady, athletic wise, because sheer Tracy McGrady, because Tracy McGrady is six, really six nine. Yeah, Vince is more six 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 seven ish. So you know, because Tracy's taller. But now, go back to what we were saying earlier. Kobe has a better skill set than all three of them, along with his work ethic. So that's why his mid-range game, his ball handling, his IQ, all those things is better than the other two guys. What was it that uh, Lazenby said last week that – Kobe should be put in charge of the national debt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he basically said he should be the, uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense and you know the Cause it, Director cause of Homeland Security working. and everything. I mean, <laughs> but no, I just think if you're looking for a common thread in great players, and um, I saw a magazine uh, uh, article that ESPN did on the perfect, you know, these athletes chasing the perfect whatever, right? And I thought it was interesting. They had you know like Peyton Manning and. Tiger Woods, I think, was on the cover. And, uh, you know, this idea that you're chasing perfection in that. I would love to get a roundtable of the greatest living guys. And there's tons of them we could get in the NBA. The greatest living guys. I guarantee you, you get to a point in every conversation where it became, well, Something did you. be consistent. Yeah, like, well, did you want to be the best dude on the court? Yes. Like it, Or did being the best dude in the game drive you? Was that your motivating factor? That's, great. Not, that's not just sports. No, not not at all. But, I mean, in the context, we're talking about the NBA. I think that's the one thing that separates. And everybody doesn't achieve it. But I'm saying the some guys have that and some guys just don't. Well, right. most of those guys, when you listen to them, what, what I've learned over the years is they don't like losing in anything. <laughs> and, and that's one thing from, from being around Kobe the short time at the end of my career over in Hawaii – Kobe would get mad losing to me in shooting contests. Right. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And then three years later, he gets my record in the single <laughs> game, knocking 12, and I bump in through him when the Hawks are playing the Lakers. Uh-huh. He said, I told you I'd get you. <laughs> that, that's the kind of competit- competitive that, that separates him. And, and Jordan, where you're playing cards or you're playing bags coming off the carousel when you're yeah. traveling with your team. I bet my bag comes out before yours. Right. It's just that I always want to be number one. And I right. think that's what's consistent when you listen to anybody, actors, singers, whatever. Right. I want to be the best. 
Lang, you know, he wants to be the best the executive best. editor of a magazine yeah. in the history <laughs> of the world. I got a, I got an unrelated, <laughs> well, sort of related question. We were talking about this the other day. Who wins this season most improved player? Ooh. What's, who 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 are the catalysts? I mean, there's some guys, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, you could go you can go so many um, different directions. Eric Gordon? Yeah. He um, would get my vote off top head. Eric Gordon? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. John Schum- John Schumann, uh a guy, a numbers guy here at NBA.com yeah. did a did a blog shoo, post shoo. about this last week. And uh, I think he had like DJ Augustin. Numbers, you know, if you crunch numbers. Yeah. Was the guy like? Let me find. Let no, me, no, 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 no. No, that was like the leader at that time. He's like what, this guy. Five games. No. <laughs> what about I'm like Raymond? Raymond? I'm serious. I'm Raymond serious. Felton? I mean, because because I mean, <laughs> and, and I try to give DJ Augustine uh, some love on game time, but we thought DJ would do more with more opportunity, and he hadn't shown me enough to get my vote for most improved. Right. You not not for all not for all these other names we're talking about. But I think, but. What Shu was talking about, he was kind of taking a, you know, a real hard, hardcore numbers crunchers look at it. But I think the one part that you don't factor into it is the expectation. Like, there's this: who's the I'm, most improved based on whatever expectations you nah, have? Nah, man, there we go. Know, going that's into that's an excuse. The expectation is excuse. The bottom line is <laughs> Raymond Felton is gone. You are the starter. You got more opportunity than you've had before, and your numbers aren't showing, and your team's not doing better. But what, what about, like, not just, you know, this goes to, like, what does the award mean? Like, value, most valuable. Improved. Not, I mean, is it is it just improved that you got from, more time? Yeah. That, yeah or, that's not enough. Or look at, look but at but that's how you improve, though. You, can't, you cannot improve your numbers with less minutes. Well, uh, if you do that, then you definitely insert. You, <laughs> <laughs> you should have been in the hands. Yeah, exactly. You hands down winning. Right, you hands down winning if you do it then. But what about, like, Russell Westbrook? I mean, he's playing about the same as he was last year, but he's a, a much better player than he was last season. I've got the uh, list right here from oh. uh, Schumann's post. Okay. He's got DJ Augustine as the has the greatest differential between his efficiency from last year last and this year, year a this difference year. of 10.2. Uh, Reggie Evans, who's now out, then JaVale McGee, Kevin Love, Paul Millsap. Kevin Love. See, Kevin Love. See, the, you, look at the names you would uh, expect to be there are going to be there even when you start crunching the numbers. And how, much, how many more minutes is Kevin Love getting this year versus last year when him and Rambis didn't get along? Yeah. See, that, and that part, too, it, it, it's – it, it makes the war and go back to Langsport. It makes you know how do you really yeah, judge well, most improved because you, I think four of those guys they're getting more minutes than they got last year. Yeah, that's mean, why the numbers are better. Other Could than you also MV- argue though that sometimes you get more minutes because you're playing better. Not necessarily, because sometimes you don't get the opportunity for the more you know for the more minutes until something shakes and somebody's out of the way. Lang, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the the one. The one caveat for for that question and every other one except for maybe MVP is it needs to be who is the most improved player, comma, based on what, you know, based on this out of the other. MVP is a pretty standard deal where there's only going to be a handful of guys really in the conversation. It's like the Heisman. Yeah. By the end of the season, the the handful of legitimate contenders for that award shake out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But It's always one of the better teams. Yeah, but when you talk about most improved, you know, it's not like six man where you can just look down the list and go, well, this guy's numbers improved the most last year, bar none. He's the guy because there are going to be so, so many little subtle nuances in why a guy is playing better or why he's mm-hmm. getting these extra minutes. Mm-hmm. Think about it. DJ Augustin didn't earn these new minutes. He got them because Raymond Felton mm-hmm. left. Exactly. So if Felton was still in Charlotte, DJ Augustin is not mm-hmm. on that list is, is my point, you know. And And like I said earlier, I'm not mad at you, DJ, the fact that Raymond Felton left. It is what it is. The opportunity presents itself. So you got more minutes. So your points are up 10 more, but your percentages aren't where, in my opinion, where they should be as a starting point guard. And Charlotte's struggling as a team. Where most people say, how can I give a guy this vote when his team is struggling as well? Just like a guy on MVP. Most people don't like giving a, a guy MVP because he has strong numbers, but his team's losing. Right. Same situation. Right. Well, that's like the Heisman too. Like if you, if you're on a two and nine team, and your numbers are crazy, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you get a couple votes because your numbers look good, but no one takes you serious. His name is Denard Robinson, baby. We had <laughs> we had that thing wrapped up five yeah. games into the season. Oh yeah, he was. You know, but you got to win. Got to win. Yeah, you got to win. I I think, I think that's the I think that's, that's the line the, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, that's the thing that separates the contenders 
from the pretenders. Right. And I think right now, today, after a quarter way through the season, I think we all three would agree, and the people that listen to this podcast, after a quarter way through the season, Raymond Felton has shocked everybody because they were getting compared to Steve Nash so much. Right. And Amari getting compared to, can I play without Steve Nash so much? And now they've made the Knicks relevant record-wise, stats-wise, yeah. and they're both showing they can be, you know, leaders in their own way. So I yeah. would give Amari my vote for MVP right now today and maybe either Raymond Felton or it's not Kevin Love's fault that him and Rambus, they fought last year where his numbers weren't where they are, and I probably would give Kevin Love my vote for most improved because it is what it is. I know, but do you give him most improved over Beasley? He, I mean, <laughs> I was until last week. Beasley got hurt last week. Yeah, I mean, he missed, Beasley, he missed those three or four games. Beasley has had monster. He's been beastly. Yes, he's had monster showing. <laughs> yes, he has. He has. I got. I got even. I got another question for y'all. Mm-hmm. Well, since we're doing twenty questions around here today, like, yeah. what city mm-hmm. do you think could lay claim to the title right now as the best in like producer of NBA players? Not the num how many you have, but the best right. quality group of NBA talent from what city in the country do you think right what now? City, what state? What city? City. You know, because I, I remember when I was a younger, when I was a teenager, I used to always hear about New York basketball. Like, oh, oh man, New York, New York, New York yeah. ball players. And they, Philly, you know, yeah, you yeah like, you know, oh, New York has got all the best players. This, any other. What city do you think, get in on this, Michael, what city right now? Do you have an answer ready for this? No, I'm just I, – I have I have an idea who I would vote number one, but I'm saying – I have to do some, have to do some quick things. Yeah, no. You know, do I – mean, Right now the West Coast is rolling. I, I think right now the West Coast, I can think that part right now is rolling. Because mm-hmm. the Westbrook and the, the Hardens and – Yeah, L.A. is – L.A. is going to have an edge. Right, cause, cause because of, of love, the sheer number. Right. Seattle. But Seattle. Seattle. That's, that's what I said, that yeah. West Coast, West Coast right rocking. now you know, uh, with Roy's and, and, and the Crawfords and the Nate for Robinsons. Years, for years, I always it was the East was, Coast thing. I was for puzzled why yeah. Atlanta was a city that didn't have more NBA players that came we, from here. We talked about this off the air, yeah. And I was saying they've had their share, but not. Yeah, but Atlanta and and Florida is mostly a football our football right, state. Right, yeah, right. historically, yeah. Atlanta you would figure a city this large would have had more. Well, let's, top let's, flight let's, bas- let's, professional let's, basketball. Let's stretch players. it out for a second. When you think about when you, when you think about Atlanta, <laughs> when you think about Atlanta, you got to put within an hour radius, right? Because like Al Thornton's from Perry, Georgia, that's forty-five minutes away. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lou Williams is from Gwinnett, that's forty-five. Yeah, exactly. So nobody is really from inner city Atlanta. Right. right. I'm just you know what I mean. Atlanta, so you, you got to get you got to get that hour radius. You're doing the same thing with LA. I right. mean, some of those same guys thing, are right, not right, from right. the city. Right. Most of them are from like right. But I mean, what? Think about it now. Because it used to be. I think Atlanta's up there. It would be. Yeah, I think I mean, it should be in that top mm-hmm. top tier of groups. But listen, think about how hilarious this is. There used to be a time when Chicago, New York, maybe Detroit, you know, you go to like Chicago, five major cities that had all the, you know, that were pumping out these players. And back in the age of Dantley and the Marvin Barnes area, that you, DC, you, you put exactly. DC, Maryland, now, Malone, Philly, now, Philly. now you can go basically around the country. Like you can go all over the country. Dallas, Texas was another big city that I said, yep. man, they never have pro basketball players from Texas, you know, from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Now and got now you got Bosch, lots of guys Aaron from, the, you know, from Dallas. C.J. Miles. To me, it just it's just funny to me to think that Seattle, you know, would be on that list, that some of these cities you wouldn't expect used to be to on that, that list would I be used, up there. I used to think that until I got in high school, college, and I started playing AAU heavy and started traveling. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized that basketball, that Joker's got game. <laughs> Joker's got game. And that – uh. Nike All American ABCD right. camp back in, in our era when that started really blossoming and spreading out. Yeah, that's when I, you know, Jokers had game. Yeah, and that's when I say, wow. I say I gotta keep on top of this because you know you're not when when you, when you grow up in your normal neighborhood and you're, and you're playing for your high school and you're traveling. You know, like when you grow up in D.C., you go to Philly, you go to New York, you go to New Jersey. Yeah, you don't really go to the West Coast that much until you start really playing AAU. Then you go on these uh, West Coast trips and you start seeing, whoa. Guys' styles are different. They like you said, man. Jokers from the West Coast, man. They got hops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and first time I met Stevie Thompson, who went, who went to Syracuse. Syracuse yeah. I had never seen a Joker under six five that could jump like that before. I mean, that Joker just had hops, not hopes. I just, <laughs> I, I just like that the hype machine used to be so great on a couple of places, and now, you know, it's technology. Obviously, right. it's the internet. Yeah. It's, oh. You know, every, there are no fines anymore. Like. I always think back to when Tracy McGrady hit the scene, and I remember, 
I used to be, you know, when I covered colleges, I used to always do the Nike camp, ABCD, mm-hmm. you know, circuit in the summer. Too, and uh, I remember people buzzing about him, like, man, it's this kid from Florida named Tracy definitely. McGrady. Nobody had heard of him. Because you, you had the same thing about Amari and Tracy. That's why yeah. I have a personal connection with them because they used to come to all of our practices. Yeah. I remember right. that because uh, I think it was Indian Creek High School was like 30 minutes down uh, mm-hmm. a Popkin Island Road right down in, in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And Armandale, Florida is maybe, maybe another 30 minutes right down I-4 in Orlando. Yeah. So I remember him coming in 6'9", about as skinny <laughs> as a noodle, but could jump to the moon and had yeah. handles for days at 6'9". Think about it now. We, we, we're not – if you take Florida, Vince, T Mac, Amari, true. That's that's Orlando. I mean, some good representation now. Oh man, um, um, you know Grant Hill is still repping DC. Yeah, he's still Northern Virginia, me. right? Yeah, him and Bogan, him and Keith Bogan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not gonna, Keith Bogan, we, well, he's in the NBA. Yeah. We count him. <laughs> you know I love you, Keith. You know I love you, but you better make a shot. Keith <laughs> Bogan's is a that guy, Seku. Is he? He's oh, a that's, that guy. Hey, he's a that guy. Well, we. Explain that that guy to him, Micah. This is a game that I, I love. They they schooled me. Micah and Kevin McCormick schooled me on this a couple weeks ago. I love it. So that guy is like a guy in a, in a movie who you see in all these different movies. You never know his name. You just that recognize him because of everything. <laughs> and we're saying that there are that guys in the NBA, like a Keith Bogans, you know, like a Rasul Butler, guys yeah. that yeah. just end up on a lot of different teams and always have a role, but you never think of them. We talked about this because remember yeah. I, was, I did a whole story on it. <laughs> Anthony Johnson. Yes. And yep. The king the of that guy. Who, yep. Yeah. He's a guy who can play for, I mean, he played 12, 13, 14 years, yeah. made 20-something million dollars, but could probably walk in a restaurant and people wouldn't know he's an NBA player. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No. Who, who do you, I mean, think about it. I guarantee you, you could, you could come up with twice as many that guys as you could franchise players right now in the NBA. Yeah. No, you could. Like true, legitimate franchise. Get this guy, your team's you know, hopes go through the roof. But, you know, it's so funny. Mike, it's a pretty good point. It, it, we, I think we had this this conversation last year. Would you would you rather be a guy that, that's a superstar, all-star? Not, I'm not going to throw the money because the money would probably be the deciding factor. Sure. Don't think about the money for a second. Would you want to be a guy that made the all-star team 15 years of, of your playing, right? And you might get – I'm going to give you one championship. Mm-hmm. Or would you be that guy? <laughs> That's a great question. All right, same 15 years. Right. No all-star teams, and you got seven rings. Oof. And you can walk wherever you want, and you still, now I'm going to throw the money back into play, and you still made some good money. Yeah, you didn't, you you didn't, you didn't walk for, away poor. You ain't hurting for money. Right. That's why I saved the money for last. Who would you rather be? Who would you rather be? And then we start talking more about it. Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, some of our favorite guys that we love in our beloved NBA. Great careers, great all-stars, great money. No have near air ring to serve for. Yeah. But every time I had lunch with him the other day, I see Big Shot Bob because he's that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy. Unless you're an NBA junkie, you really know basketball. Robert Ory walks in places now because he's gained a little weight, chilling. <laughs> People in, hey, 3D, hey, man, 3 love you on NBA team. And Robert's just sitting there. I'm looking at you. I said, you son of a biscuit, you. He looked at me and said, what is wrong? I said, because you got seven rings on your face. I ain't got this wedding ring on my face. <laughs> and everybody talking about, what's up, 3D? Yeah. I love you on NBA TV. Uh, <laughs> That's that Guy. Yep. You see what I'm saying? That's, what would you do? What would you, what, do, what would you rather have, Lang? What would you Micah, do, Lang? Say cool. I would say that, uh, I mean, being the Ori would be, I, and I love Rob, but, I mean, would you rather be Charles Barkley or Robert Ori? That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah, no, no, that's a great point. Yeah. That's, that's, that takes it to the next level. That depends on what. Am I going to the bank or am I going to but, but, the it, Legends it, Brunch? Am I going say it again. to the Championship Hall of Fame? Say, but I'm yeah, saying I mean, it. Like, it's where, you, where are you going? You're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You're working for an awesome network, Turner. You're still around the game. Well, you're still making great it. money. Yeah. Still making great money. You're on TV a lot. You're high visible. But now, Robert Ory has his seven rings, still got a good – you know, a lot of money in the bank. Right. Walks around, does speaking engagements, but still I'm gets paid well. Which, well the, the, it, the only difference. But the bottom line is we're talking about the court. Yeah, like when Charles goes to sleep at night. And, Charles, we'd love to have you on the Hangtime Podcast oh, whenever you're oh, ready. Oh, man, that's calling right now. Any, that's, anytime that's, that's you're ready, Charles. Chuck, right now. Where my phone? Come on down. That's calling um, Charles up. Listen, when you go to sleep at night, 
Charles goes to sleep. He don't have to put nothing in the jewelry box when he goes to bed. No, man. Listen to me. Bob has got to here, take rings here, off his feet. Here, here's the bottom line. Every and time. put them in the jewelry box, Micah. I, I tell this story at the barbershop all the time, and it's so fun. So when we're in All-Star Weekend in Dallas, and Kenny, we're all ex-players. We're all in this room. We're holding shop. And we're talking about change. We're talking about who's won this, who's won that, and how many All-Star teams and how many of this. But every time we start talking about who has the most rings, the smallest guy in the room stands up and starts running his mouth, Kenny Smith. Yeah. Because he got the rings. Yep. And that's what separates all conversations. Who's the greatest? Charles. Who's Hall of Fame? Charles. Yeah. Carl Malone. Who, you know, Patrick Ewing. I mean, the, the list goes on. Yeah. There's some great names that have had great all-star numbers, that have great career numbers. We need an amendment to the question, like, Let's, that's what that's let's, what, let, let's see, take I mean, out like Charles and like <laughs> let's just say would you rather uh, there how, is, about, how about this I'll be either one of them <laughs> <laughs> I don't care I'll just be Steve Kerr <laughs> yeah just no he's Kerr. another one Steve Kerr just Judd Bushler I'll just be Stevie Kerr Judd Bushler I think got five rings yeah I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be whoever <laughs> just kidding but, but, <laughs> but think about that though but think about that though Judd Bushler is walking around. Working for a company in Chicago, making nice money, but he's leading every business conversation. Well, what? Yeah, you know, I played with Michael. You know? <laughs> played with Michael and Scotty, you know, and I have five rings to show it. You know, <laughs> that that that's that's his world. That's, that's reality. Entree, that's the entree. Yeah, for winning, I'm not mad at you for that, but I'm saying for people that sometimes they get caught up on being an all star. Well, I, here I got an even better one for you because you can be you can be the guy with the 15 all star appearances. You could, you know. You could be, you could even be the guy with the championship rings and still not have entree into everything you want. Like, look at Kareem. Like, there are some guys who did right. all that, right. and they don't live for whatever reasons. They don't live that exalted existence later. Not outside of basketball necessarily. Well, not, I think not away I, from the game. Well, and I think that that attests to certain guys' personalities not yeah. being able to translate yeah. and redefine themselves afterwards. See, I don't think it's fair it to put Charles in there because Charles. No, is, I, no, I just no, no, no. I'm just saying because Charles is so reason, much bigger than no Charles. He's like a, his own franchise, my, right? That's a, yeah. the perfect way to put it. The reason Charles's name comes up because he was so great. Yeah, it, it's not the it's not the thing that's like this. That's why Carl Malone can't be with Charles is because he doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the flavor. Who Charles Barkley is? That's yeah. why he is on. Charles that's why he's doing. This, that's why he's doing that Skechers commercial. Come on, man. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's that. We love you, Skechers. We're yeah. not hating. Send us some shoes, man. Size sixteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but the bottom line is, it's one of those conversations that come up so much around the house. It's Christmas time. I get my brother in town, man. All star, all star, all star. Like, man, I'd be Robert Ory all day long. Yeah. Oh, you say that because you. No, just think about it for a second. That it, it, it's a tough question because we all love money. That's why I flushed it out the window yeah. first. But at the end of the day, Robert Ory made great money. Yeah. It wasn't like he only made, you know, chicken feed his, what, 17 years he played. He made some great money. Yeah. He, just never, he just never made an all star team. He was a starter every year he played towards the very end, and then he was, what, top six, seven bench guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he won a championship when he came in. So Exactly, a, as a youngster. It's a great great debate. Uh, it's somebody, I'm, it's two I'm other going to be thinking about that now for the next week. So now we gotta, next we, next week I'm going to bring – let's revisit this conversation. I know Mike will make a note of it. And I'm going to have – it's three other names, but I don't have my, I don't have my right. backpack with me to all add right. to the list. And they're – like Mike's point – it's that guy. Every week, listen. Every week from now, we're gonna stop. We're gonna spend five minutes talking about a new a new candidate for the Hang Time Podcast. That guy Hall of Fame. How about that? I like what that. We got to figure out. Well, this is sort of related, but Dennis brought up All Star and all that. We who, this is this could take us another half hour. <laughs> <laughs> who ma- who makes the All Star team this year? That's a great. Ooh, yeah. to be continued. To be continued for next. There's week. about eight point guards in the West that could. Yeah. Oh man, it's going to be some controversy. And I have like year. seven guys, six four, taller. I mean, or shorter, and then uh, Dirk and you know Paul Gasol. So, yeah. hmm, very. I mean, listen, we got plenty to talk about next week. Uh, you know, always good to to get 3D in the studio here, Lang. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski from Yahoo Sports. Good stuff. Great guest. Great conversation. I, I mean, I hate we got to wrap it up, but everybody's actually got to go do some some real work now. <laughs> I'll get ready for another show. <laughs> exactly. Lane Krause, 
pushing the buttons back there. Micah Hart, our super producer behind the glass. Lang Whitaker in New York. 3D in the studio here with me. I'm Sekou Smith. Appreciate you joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. See you next time. Holla. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Sekou and Lang on Twitter at SekouSmithNBA and Lang with her. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 